Hello, everybody. My name is Javier Garza, and I am here today to share a story, a short story with you guys. This is my book, The Donkey Lady Fights La Llorona and Other Cuentos, and this is the title story, and it goes something like this. Margarito, Maya, Luis, and Miguel listen to their grandpa Ventura tell them not just one, but two scary stories. But these are not just any scary stories. Oh, no. They are the two scariest stories that he knows. The story of La Llorona, he says, is the story of a woman that comes out late at night looking for children that are out away from their homes when they shouldn't be. It is said that she lurks wherever there is water. And if she sees a child outside late at night when they shouldn't be, she will pounce upon them. And by the time they see her, it's too late. They will see those glowing red eyes that burn, that they're on fire, and that hair that waves around her as if they were snakes. They say that any child that sees, that lays eyes on La Llorona, is never seen again. That's so scary, says, says uh, you know, says, uh, uh, Maya. Yes, that's a very scary story, says Lupe. And he goes, did that really happen? Asked Margarito, who doesn't always believe his grandfather's stories. If you were to believe every story that grandpa tells, then he's done battle with every monster, every cuckoo you could imagine. Of course it happened, says grandpa. Why would I lie? But as scary as La Llorona is, there are those who claim she is not the scariest cuckoo of them all. Who could possibly be scarier than La Llorona, Maya? There are those who claim that the donkey lady is even scarier. The donkey who? Asked Miguel. The donkey lady, said Grandpa Ventura. The donkey lady, they say, is a bruja, a witch, who at night turns her head into that of a hideous donkey. It is said that she will hide under bridges where there is running water, and she will wait there for a kid, any child that is out late at night when they shouldn't be. And as they are crossing over this bridge, she will pounce upon them, grabbing them, dragging them down to under the bridge, never to be seen again. The last thing they will hear is her cries of hee-haw, hee-haw. That's so scary, says Maya. Yes, there are both very scary stories, says Grandpa Ventura, but they are just stories. But it's getting late. And you all should be getting home. And Grandpa Ventura gets up using his cane. Now, Grandpa Ventura is very getting pretty old. He's getting up there in, in years. And, you know, Margarito notices that he's having a little trouble standing up and says, Grandpa, don't worry. You don't have to walk us home. I can make sure all these kids get home. I don't know, Margarito. That's a lot of responsibility for a little boy. Grandpa, I'm 11. I'm practically a grown-up. Okay, says Grandpa Ventura, you go ahead and make sure everybody gets home. But you make sure that after that, you go home too. Yes, says Margarito. So they start walking home. First, they get to Miguel's house. Miguel lives the closest. If you stand at Grandpa's front porch, if you look out, you can actually see Miguel's house. Miguel is about to go inside his house when suddenly he gets a big smile on his face. He gets an idea. 
he turns around and he looks at at, at, at Luis and Maya and Margarito and says, hey, guys, don't let La Llorona get you. And he even goes, ay, mis hijos, oh, my children, and then runs inside laughing. He thinks it's so funny. Now it is just Luis, Margarito, and Maya that are left. So they keep walking. So finally, they get to Luis's house. He lives the second closest to Grandpa's house. Now, Luis is about to go in when he turns around, big grin on his face. He's, gonna, he's got an idea, too, and he tells, hey, Margarito and Maya, don't let the donkey lady get you. And he even starts going, hee-haw, hee-haw, like a donkey would. Then he runs inside laughing because he thinks it's funny. Now it's just Margarito and Maya that are left. And as they're walking home, it's starting to get dark. Now Maya is starting to get scared. And when Maya gets scared, Maya talks. That's so talks. That's the way she deals with things. And when she is very scared, she talks a lot. And Maya is very, very scared. And she's saying, oh, I don't know why I listen to Grandpa's stories. They always scare me. They're, you know, they're scary. They're, they, they have monsters. They have cuckoos. But I love to listen to his stories. That's why I want to hear them. But then I don't want to hear them because then I can't go to sleep at night. And she keeps going on and on and on and on until Margarito just can't take it and tells her to be quiet. Only a baby would be scared of La Llorona, he says. Now, Maya doesn't like being told that she's a baby especially when Margarito's only half a year older than she is. Now, Maya, <clears throat> when Maya gets mad, Maya doesn't talk. She doesn't say a word. She just keeps it all inside. But if, while she's keeping it inside, it's growing bigger and bigger till she is ready to let Margarito have it when they get to her house. She says, turning around to give Margarito the meanest look that she has in her and says, I am so mad at you right now, Margarito, for calling me a baby that I would be so happy if La Llorona and the donkey lady both got you. So I never, ever, ever have to see your ugly, ugly face ever, ever, ever again. And she slams the door. And Margarito starts to think, man, I shouldn't have been so mean to her. But it's okay. Tomorrow after school, I'll buy her a bag of potato chips, and I'll buy her that soda she likes, the red one that stains your teeth all red. She'll forgive me. So Margarito keeps walking. till he gets to the bridge, the bridge he has to cross to get to his house on the other side. Now, as Margarito is walking across the bridge, he sees somebody else walking towards him from the other end. At first, she says, I, I think it's my mom. She's mad because I haven't gotten home yet, and it's already dark. But the closer the figure gets, the more he notices that the, that the person that is walking towards him is not walking towards him, actually. It's floating towards him. And that's when he sees those red eyes, those red eyes that burn like they're on fire, and that hair that swirls around her as if they were snakes. La Llorona, he cries out, and then looks around looking for a place to hide, but there is nowhere for him to hide. So he runs to the, back to the other end of the bridge and hides in the only place that he can, which is under the bridge. He can hear La Llorona saying, where are you, mijo? Come to your mama. And Margarito's under the bridge hiding, saying, uh-uh, that's not my mama. I'm not going to fall for it. 
But then he sees something floating towards him, something that draw that gets closer and closer and closer till he sees looking up at him from the water to glowing yellow eyes. And then out from underneath the water leaps out a hideous woman with a donkey's head. And it cries out, he, it's the donkey lady. And Margarita tries to run away from her, but she's chasing, pulling at the back of his shirt. She's going round and round in circles. Margarito has no choice. He has to get away from the donkey lady. And the only place he has left to run is to, is out from under the bridge and waiting for him is La Llorona. And she says, aha, there you are. And she grabs him by the back of his shirt and starts to pull him up into the sky. But then the donkey lady leaps out from underneath the bridge and grabs him by the ankle and says, he's mine, and pulls him back down. La Llorona says, uh-uh. I saw him first, and she pulls on the shirt collar. The donkey lady says, no, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. And she pulls the meat back down, and they pull, and they tug. They pull, and they tug. Poor Margarito, he's like a rope in a tug of war. And then his shirt collar rips at the same time that the donkey lady pulls off his shoe. Margarito falls down to the ground hard, dazed. He looks up, and then he sees on one side is La Llorona. On the other side is the donkey lady. And they are going to fight over him. Now, Margarito had always dreamt of having two girls fighting over him. But not this girl's. And that's when it happened. The Yorona walked right up to the donkey lady and screamed right at her face. She went, Ay, mis hijos. Now, donkey lady did not like that. So she walked right up to, back up to the Yorona and yelled right at her face going, he ha Yorona's not used to having anybody disrespect her like that. So she pushes the donkey lady down to the ground. Donkey lady's not going to take that. So she jumps right up from the, from up, uh, from the ground and she pushes La Llorona back. And that's when the donkey lady makes her move. She grabs La Llorona by her wild hair that moves like snakes. And then the donkey lady does the unthinkable. She tries to pull La Llorona under the bridge. But the Yorona's not going to go down without a fight. So she grabs the donkey lady by her long donkey ears. And then she tries to pull the donkey lady up into the sky. And they pull and they tug. They pull and they tug. They go round and round till both ladies go over the bridge and fall down to the water below. Splash. Even in the water, they refuse to stop fighting. Pulling and tugging, pulling and tugging, round and round, splish, splash. Margarito, for his part, he takes off running. Even without a shoe on, he had never run so fast in his life. If the coach had seen him, he would have signed him up for the track team. Margarito ran across that bridge. He ran straight up to his house. He ran straight into his room where he got under the covers, pulled a blanket over his head and kept saying, La Llorona, the donkey lady, La Llorona, and the donkey lady, over and over and over again till he finally fell asleep. And that's the story of the donkey lady fights La Llorona.
This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Thanks for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. Today's show fulfills our mission to the maximum level. We're one of the few shows that focuses on creative writing, which is a mandate of the Pacifica Foundation. <laughs> so you start, you heard at the top of the show, Javier Garza reading one of his short stories. We'll get a longer interview with him in the second half of the show, and he'll bring you more because you can't stop him from telling stories. And we want to share that gift with you. Additionally, at, we're also going to have on the air during the first interview, Loira Casares. She has a new program called Little Libraries in the Laundromats, which is fantastic because she's trying to get books like Javier's into the hands of kids while they're with their parents at the Washeteria. And this is what we're about. We knew Javier before he was published. We're happy to join him in this journey where he has now gotten several books into the world. We're also very happy to introduce new readers to their culture so that they can release their voices. This is the mission. We're proud to get here because of you. This is Tony Diaz. I want to remind you that we're not on Pledge Drive, but we'd love for you to become a member of KPFT so that we can do our part to keep the show on the air. We're celebrating its 50th anniversary. And keep in mind that there is no other enterprise on FM radio that brings you art and culture on a regular basis the way we do. So if you can, please Go to kpft.org and put a tip in the tip jar. Make it in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. want to thank folks who are donating their cultural capital on a weekly basis. That's our crew. Leti Lopez, Rodrigo Bravo, who mixes the shows remotely. Claudia Soler Alfonso, Jesse Aranda Comer, Lauri Flores, Stefano Cavasa, Al Castillo. I'm happy to join you every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. for Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having to say here on KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston. Also on Tuesdays, we bring you Latino politics and news. I also get to see you on the political talk show, What's Your Point, on Fox 26 Houston, Sundays at 7 a.m. This is Tony Diaz. Stay tuned for more cultura, poesia, and musica. Mastered economics, cause you took yourself from squalor. Slave. Mastered academics, cause your grace said you were scholar. Slave. Mastered Instagram, cause you can instigate a following. Hey, Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Yeah. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters. Been it time, I'm on mine, I be minding mine Every time on my grind, I'm just trying to shine Make a dollar, government, they want a dozen dime The petty kind might kill you cause they see 
get shine. I done had to have a talk with myself plenty times. Am I a hypocrite? Cause I know I did plenty crime. I get broke too many times. I might slang some pines. You believe corporations running your own And your country again ran by a casino on a boo. Pedophile sponsor all the all the racist bastards. And I told you once before that you should kill your master. Now that's the line that's probably gonna get my. Master of these politics, you swear that you got options, right? Master of opinion, cause you vote with the white collar, right? The 13th Amendment says that slavery's abolished. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar, get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar, get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar, get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar, get it? Let us in again. 2020 on the map. Raw one cut in my hourglass. Don't watch it spill to the bottom half. You see the beast out running fast on a tarmac. Get a starter jack. C4 when I run it back. Like a track star on a lap. Nah, like when it's still cash. Clean look, poor pugilist. A shooter's view is a pruder flick. Too rude for you rudiments. Who convinced you you can move against the crew in this? Coming up through the fence. Offshore on a port of prince. Overture left his fingerprints on the hearts of the gate in the world. Thanks for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. This is Tony Diaz, and we're joined on the air by a friend of the cause, a friend of mine, Loira Casares. First of all, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. I'm going to remind folks, they've all known you from your years at the Houston Chronicle. You have a little bit of a change. So you now work for Houston Public Media, the local NPR and PBS station by day, and you're still a writer by night. You've been blogging at Shoe Girl Corner for 15 years. First of all, wow. So new job, huh? Yeah, I was um, just saying to someone how I just seem to take everybody by surprise with the change. But, you know, I'm really excited to make the change from selling newspaper print for 30 years. So I just made the switch over to TV and radio. But most importantly, it's public media, which is really exciting. I'm going to be learning a whole new area. So I'm excited. We like to share people's bios for different reasons, including that people can chart different ways to go with careers, what they can do with degrees in humanities, what they can do to make a living as a writer. You're an advocate for public education in Houston. Your essay, this I believe, was chosen by NPR and KUHF, Houston Public Media. You've read with Nuestra Palabra many times, including mm -hmm. in person and on our radio show. Yeah. You've also read on K-True, and you had an essay published in LiteraryMama.com, and your short story, The Canal, was a Glimmer Train Press finalist. So congratulations on all that success and your new changes. Thank you. We're going to be talking about a new project for little libraries and laundromats here in Houston, which yeah. is pretty cool. So tell folks about this project and how we can help you. 
It started just a few months ago. It all started actually because I have a little free library. I live on a corner lot. It's an old Houston Chronicle newspaper rack, and it's on the corner of my sidewalk that runs alongside my house. I already had a relationship with the little free library organization. I was listening to NPR. I was listening to this this one particular show out of Milwaukee, and they were talking about the city of Milwaukee. It started this initiative. They were installing little libraries inside of laundromat. And I just thought, oh my God, that's amazing. So I researched to see if we had anything like that here in Houston. And I did not find anything like that. I did find a woman up in Kingwood who owns a laundromat. And so she installed a little free library in her laundromat. But that's like the only story I found. So I thought, hey, this is just, you know, I'm already doing something with the little free library brand. I'm going to contact them, see if I can set up little free libraries inside of Washaterias, as we call them here in Texas. I was about and, to say, you're going to have to change the name down here. Cause yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the L sounds so good. You the, know, alliteration, the alliteration. Ooh, tough call. Exactly. Okay, That's we'll, what st- I we'll stick with what it. we got. <laughs> because you're just starting anyways. Well, I already, hey, I already have the name. I already have the website. There you go. So, um, <laughs> so what I, so what I did is I just, you know, reached out to them. They said as long as it's a charter number assigned to each library that's it's legit it's fine and so i told them you know this is my idea i want to set these up and they were like yeah we've heard of people doing this you know around the country it's up to you so um that's kind of how the whole idea started so you know being a salesperson i found um, laundromats closest to me of course the most convenient so i live in the near north side neighborhood of houston and um, for those people that don't know very much about Near North Side, almost everyone does, right? Um, the Near North Side is actually a historical um, Hispanic neighborhood. I mean, it, it originally was not, but over the last, you know, 100 years or so or 80 years, it has um, changed a it's, lot. It's and it, Lassa now. Right, exactly. Moody Park. <laughs> That's all you have to say. I live right on the very edge of Lindell Park. I found four laundromats that were willing to partner with me, and it's been amazing. So the four laundromats that I am at are Sunrise Washateria, that is at 1301 Griffin Street. And that's in near north side. Melbourne Washateria is in North Lindell. They are in five at 524 Melbourne Street. The GNS Washateria on Irvington, it's right on the corner of Irvington and Cavalcade next to the number one Teotihuacan, the number one location of Teotihuacan that's, Mexican that, restaurant. That's straight up community yeah, right there. Right there, exactly. <laughs> and then my newest location is Laundry King. I love the name. Laundry King Washateria on Cavalcade um, between Fulton and 45. I, I can't say enough about these washeterias being willing to let me set up either a bookcase or a box um depending you know on on the size and what they could accommodate like the sunrise washeteria is tiny it's connected to a a little store not tiendita and so it's like half tiendita and half um laundromat and the laundromat's tiny so they just have a little box give us a breakdown of what the box looks like we have a couple boxes the one at that one particular location that i was talking about that's really small it's an orange glittery box it's a, it was actually a wooden just a wooden box like made out of wooden pallets um, that i found on amazon and it was just you know naked wood and so i had them sent to my friend and then she painted it 
really pretty orange. So you had to buy the boxes yourself? I have to give a shout out to my friends who have donated money. Um, They have been amazing. So when I um, put this out, you know, put it out to the universe, put it on Facebook and told people that I was doing this, I had friends who sent me uh, like $20 here, $30 there. They wanted to donate to the cause. So I used some of that money for um, to buy the boxes, to buy the bookcases, and also um, to buy the charter signs because Little Free Library is a nonprofit organization of its own. And so when you buy the little charter sign from them, there's a cost you know, attached to that as well. So some so, of the sites have a box like you described, which you had your friend paint, and then mm-hmm. others have bookshelves? A book, yes, a little bookcase, wooden bookcase. How did you find those bookcases? Also on Amazon. And then I had another friend who who volunteered to put them together for me. So it takes a village, right? Right. You've got to get the permission. Then you have to figure out how Mm -hmm. much space you have. Tell us Mm -hmm. about the books. This is a great chance to get Chicano and Chicano authors there, Latinx writers. And I need more of those. I like to do a variety of children's books and teen books. I especially like the children's books because... Most teenagers, unless they're doing the washing, most teenagers are not there with their parents. The ones that are at the laundromat with their parents are the little ones. I have walked into Washeria, and there's the kid sitting there on the phone watching a video, and I'm loading up the bookcase, and I say, hey, would you like to read a book? And their faces, they look so surprised. It's amazing. And so I really especially love having the children's books and bilingual books would be even better because parents can then read to children as well you know while they're waiting for their clothes to wash or dry so then you also have to get the books on your own too you have to stock the shelves with your own material or whatever books you can get you should see my car right now it is so full of books right now so um after you know when people started getting back out after covid um well not the covid's app finished but once people started getting out again you know and and i started getting calls from friends i've been holding books for you where can you you know where do you want to meet or do you want to come by the house i'll leave it outside and i'll go by and i'll pick up books so it's really also been a labor of love for my friends um who have been so wonderful and have both donated their own books they've been, you know they've been cleaning house and their kids are getting older so they've been putting together children's books for me or they have reached out to their own friends and they've gone to their own friends' houses and they've picked up books for me and then put them together with the books they have. So I have right now, I am really, it's it, it's been amazing how just this last, these last two weeks I've picked up a whole other bunch of books. But, you know, they, they are used quickly because even though it's a little library, I don't want kids to feel like they can't take the books. You know, I had a laundromat tell me, um, the guy told me, oh, the kids are going to take the books. I'm like, that's okay, especially when the kids were out of school these past few months. I said, I want them to take the books. Some of these kids are only being, are only seeing books at school. And so if they're coming to the laundromat with their parents and they could take a book home, so be it. I mean, of course I want them to take a book home. You know, that's just, that's the whole point of this and if they want to bring it back they can bring it back if they don't want to bring it back and they want to keep it because they love that book that makes me happy too what are some of the policies for 
children taking the books or their parents taking the books? You know, I have a sign on there that says, you know, this is a little free library. Um, take a book, bring it back, or replace it with another book. But I know, you know, that some of these kids, the only place that they see these books could possibly be at the laundromat or, you know, have books, especially with school having been out, um, you know, that I, I really feel like a lot of kids weren't being exposed to books like they were in at school. So I've told the Washacheria owners, do not feel like the kids cannot take the books home. Let them take the books home. And if they want to keep the book because they want the book, then that makes me happy. And I mean, the books are all donated by people. These are people that want to give away their books. So, you know, it's just a win-win situation. I hate to sound like a rebellious Texan already seceding from the whole little <laughs> library <laughs> a charter policy, but w- what do they bring to the table? Because you're doing all the work. Yeah, no, all they bring is their brand, really. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're a nonprofit organization, the Little Free Library, but <clears throat> they're letting me use their, basically piggyback on their brand and their recognition. But I'm, I'm naming my own organization Little Libraries and Laundromats. So I've already set up a website. It's littlelibrariesandlaundromats.org. And um, I do give them, you know, give them the credit that I'm using the Little Free Library brand. But the organization itself, I mean, what it is of what you just described, me setting up the libraries, getting the permission, getting the bookcases, getting the books. And every two weeks, go around and I restock my little libraries. Um, that's my organization, but I don't want it to just be mine, honestly. I want this to be something that grows. I want for someone in Katie to say, I love this idea. There's a laundromat on Fry Road, and I want to set up a little free library there. And I have had people reach out to me and ask me, how can I set up these in a laundromat? And I walked them through it and told them what to do. And I told people, if you set up a little free library in a laundromat, just let me know and I'll list you on my locations because I want this to kind of take off. And let's be fair. As you mentioned, the template was devised by the little library folks. Perhaps they list you on a website and it's this bigger network. You've adapted it to Houston. This is like the Washeteria movement. <laughs> so in all fairness, lavanderias. It's lavanderias. Eso, libraries and lavanderias. We can kind of put a local stamp on it. So it sounds mm-hmm. like you're asking folks to unite with you, maybe to help you get your books, maybe to donate for more bookshelving, etc., or or different ways to display the books. But you're also looking for sites. So I'm going to recommend one. With There's a Washeteria on West Gulf Bank in Little York. They also fold your clothes. Um, I think it's about $11 for a pound of uh, washed and folded clothes. But the the place is very nice. So what would it entail to make them a site? Let's walk through the process. Sure. So I'm being a salesperson. Walk. I walk in. <laughs> I go in and I, I find out when is the manager working. Some of these laundromats have someone 24 hours there, you know, all day. They're open. Um, some don't have anybody there during the day, just in the morning and the evening. They've told me, come back at 9 p.m. Or, or come early in the morning. I'm not an early in the morning person, so I'll show up like at 8.45 p.m. <laughs> just give the owners there or the managers there. And I'll say hi, and I'll introduce myself. I'll let them know what I'm doing. I bring in some books with me when I talk to them so they can see, you know, what it's about. 
and that I'm selling the books, that I'm giving them all free for the children. And everyone is usually very positive about it. I know I, if I could handle having more washeterias, I could have more. I am limiting myself to four just because it's just me. But that's why I want to see it grow. But I'll just go in. I'll talk to them. I'll explain to them what, what I'm doing, what the movement is all about. You know, they ask me, are you a teacher? And I say, no, I'm not a teacher. But I love education and I love literacy and I love children. And I just this is something that I just decided I wanted to do. Community has been very positive about it. And what I love is when I walk into one and I see new books that I didn't put there. That's like the best feeling ever to know that someone saw it and then brought books from their own house and put a bunch of books there. It's yeah, just kind of spontaneous. Just they, yes, it's grassroots. And, I mean, and, they just see it and they think it's a good idea and they bring their own books. And again, that may be what's helpful with being linked to the little library organization because then they can go check their website and then they also understand, okay, part of this process is we bring books ourselves also. Right. They see the charter sign on it. Now, when I asked you what the steps were, you did all the work. So at this stage, do you just want people to give you locations and then you go in? Or at some point soon, would you want other folks to do that part of it too? With the four, I'm doing good. And what, but you know, books are continuously going to be moving. So if people are doing cleaning, especially with people being at home right now, there are a lot of people cleaning out their house. You know, their kids are growing up. If they have children's books, especially like ages four to 10, um, that they want to set aside for me. And um, my contact information is on the website. I have an email address there, loydacasares at gmail.com. It's on the contact page of littlelibrariesandlaundromats.org. Um, note that it's a .org, not a .com. And um, people can just contact me, let me know if they have books. That's my first goal right now, just to keep my, my libraries going. My second goal is to make this something that the city embraces. I would love to see this take off like a wildfire. And for people in their own neighborhood, some people in Denver Harbor, you know, people in the East End, people out in Gulf Bank, like we said, 45, if there were you know, if, if just one person set up a little laundromat in the laundromat by their house, imagine you know, how many we could have. It would just be amazing to see that happen. So folks can go to littlelibrariesandlaundromats.org to get the basic information. And then they can also find out how to donate books to you. I do want to point something out to listeners in that many times that we've done book drives people would donate like a phone book or a cookbook let's get something clear obviously you want books for children give the target ages that you're looking for right now yeah right now um i think that children that go to the laundromats are usually between the ages of four and ten so anything in that age range i have a ton of chapter books right now so i have a lot of Young literature, um, I don't need any of those. I have enough. Um, I do put some chapter books in there as well. But storybooks that are something that a child can sit down and read while they're in the laundromat with their parents. Okay, now on the other side, let's suppose right now there's a parent that because of the COVID shutdown has had time to go through their kids' books. They're getting rid of these old games. 
they find books and they stumble upon a big stock of, let's just say, superhero books. So here is a book that looks like it's in that age range, but it's about Marvel Comics or Captain America. Do you want those books? Yes. I was in one of the laundromats and a little boy that was a little bit older. He was probably about 12. He asked me, do you have any comic books? And I didn't have it. I didn't have one to give him and it made me so sad. So comic books are very welcome. I would like to you know, leave some at each one so that the kids, you know, that want to read comic books. Captain Underpants was <laughs> that yes, was banned in some Cap- schools, but I no, think it, I do not ban that, books. <laughs> that really helped my sons get into reading, and we used to read them together and make fun of the books. So you're down with those, and then of yes. course we love books by and for Chicanas, Chicanos, uh, Latinx yes. writers. If people want to go out of the way to donate that as well i'm sure there's a need so you're open to all those books bilingual books in spanish and english yes i would love some bilingual books i do not have enough bilingual books you know it is so exciting when i refill a library and then i like go back out to the car for something and i come back in and i and i see a mom with a little one on on her lap reading one of my books to them it just it just makes me so happy can you name some of the titles that have passed through the little libraries and laundries? Bug Girl. I've put out Disney Princess books. There's been such a variety. That's what I love because there's so many different books. But yeah, just it's been a real variety. There's been history, a lot of wimpy kid books. That sounds nice. <laughs> just to kind of recap, this is a brand new initiative. It's a few months old. You're at the stage where you want folks to spread the word and donate books, but maybe down the line, I'm not sure how many months, six months to a year. Of course, it wouldn't be bad to have volunteers helping you rotate the stock, maybe helping upkeep the shelving, and then perhaps a year down the line, suggesting other sites and getting some volunteers to help you build out those areas as well, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And and like I said before, also people wanting to take on the initiative themselves. I think that that would be a beautiful thing in the city. Because, I mean, if the city of Milwaukee is doing it for the entire city, you know, if that could become an initiative for the city of Houston, imagine. That would be amazing. Sounds fun and another great cause. So give out the websites and the contact information again, Loida. The website is littlelibraries.com in laundromats.org, O-R-G. And if you want to contact me about donating books, it's Loida Casares, L-O-I-D-A-C-A-S-A-R-E-S, and those are S's, at gmail.com. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for the update. Thank you. And we appreciate you spreading the word about literacy. Thank you so much. Todas las fichas en movimiento, las reglas se vuelven 
presente y mi pasado con esta voz Hoy voy a narrarlo Pañuelo en mano para alumbrar A cada mujer desaparecida A cada ausente solitaria Por quien no hicimos nada Las muertas ya no vendrán Escúchame bien, nunca volverán Sus nombres marcaremos en tu estatua ya Las mujeres están revelando Todas las fichas en movimiento, las reglas se vuelven a hacer Las mujeres se están revelando, los hombres no saben qué hacer Todas las fichas en movimiento, las reglas se vuelven a hacer This is Tony Diaz. We're very happy to welcome back Familia, a dear friend of the show, Javier Garza. You heard his fantastic short story at the beginning of the program. The donkey lady fights La Llorona, and we're here to get an update from him. So first, welcome back to the show, my friend. How you been? Good, good, good. And thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I always, you know, I'm a big supporter of Nuestra Palabra and, you know, and all, and all that you guys have done over the years. I appreciate that. And today we want to get a little bit of an update. I want to remind folks, too, that you're from the RGV in Rio Grande Valley. You're a mm -hmm. prolific author. By the way, how many books do you have published now? Uh, right now, published, I have, I have uh, 16. Uh, I have three that are going to be coming out, so that'll get me up to 19. So hopefully by this time next year, I should be at 19 books. That's fantastic. Congratulations. What I remember fondly, too, is that you were unpublished when you read at the Nuestra Palabra book fair several years ago and wound up meeting Dr. Nicolás Canelos, which led to one of your first books being published. Yeah, that, yeah. I, and I always tell people, you know, when they ask about, you know, how about how I got published and always I always tell them. You know, I owe it all to the Latino Family Book Festival that you know, Tony Diaz puts, uh, put together in Houston. And I tell people, it sounds really dramatic, but I tell people what happened is this. Basically, I was there to read and uh, happened to, you know, meet Dr. Canelos. And I tell people it's, it's, it was like a two-minute conversation that basically ended up with him telling me, giving me his card and said, calling me, call me Monday. And, uh, and I remember uh, telling Tony and I, you know, you know, well, telling you that, you know, that, and it was a, it was a very exciting moment, but honestly, I tell people that's, that's how I got published. I got published because I was reading at the, uh, at the Latino Family Book Festival in Houston at the Brown Convention Center. That's, that's wonderful. And that's what the whole mission of our program is about. 
In fact, I found a video. It's a short four-minute video from one of the book fairs. They used to be so massive. We're going to repost it. We'll put it in the link to the archive to this interview. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And you're part, you're part of our history. So it's wonderful now that a whole new generation of kids get to hear your work, get to hear stories that they love and enjoy. And again, you're not just an author. You're also a visual artist and a storyteller. Your work is frequently focuses on your own experiences growing up in a small border town of Rio Grande City. You graduated from the University of Texas Pan American in 1994 with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Art. I think that's key because a lot of times people think that perhaps it's impossible to become a writer. You show people each step to take, but at the same time, you've also have your academic credentials which I think is important for our people to understand is that you got to combine the artwork with the activism as well as the academic work. And you're a teacher also, right? Yeah. yeah I teach, uh, I teach both public school and I also teach at the, at the community, uh, community college. And, uh, and I tell people, it's like, uh, you know, I've always loved teaching. And so I've been lucky in the sense that I get to do things that I really truly enjoy uh, writing and then doing my art, and at the same time, uh, I get to work with uh, with students, uh, both uh, public at the public school and at the and at the college level. And pretty much uh, the whole goal is to, you know, uh, try to motivate them to take their ideas and take their their stories, their cuentos, they tell them and and share them because in the end, that's what a that's what a writer does. A writer is sharing his or her cuentos. And you kind of hope that your cuento will inspire somebody else to write their own cuentos. And they'll, they'll say, you know what, that story that he just read, I can identify with it because I had a similar experience, but mine was a little bit different. And then they take it and they put, and I tell people, once you put it on paper, then you can share it. And, you know, and other people are going to read it. And you know what, your story might inspire them to write their story. Love it. Can you just imagine taking a class with, with this guy? <laughs> it's got to be a ton of fun. And I can just imagine what you draw on the board. I want to remind folks, too, some of your book titles, just one itsy-bitsy little bite, Vincent Ventura and the Mystery of the Chupacabras, I believe. Who, who inspired that one? Well, that one, I modeled it after a couple of things. I modeled it... Uh... The character in the story looks like my son, you know, well, the, the way he looked at that age. Uh, but even my son's name, I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big person. On, I'm big on names. I think names should have some kind of symbolism or some kind of story. What I did with my son, uh, his full name is Vincent Ventura Garza. You know, Vince, you know, Vincent Ventura Garza, that's his full name. What I did is I took, uh, I took uh, the name Vincent, which means to conquer. Then I... Ventura is the name. It's, it's a name that's been in my, you know, my family for a few generations. Uh, but as, as I understand it, Ventura was the name of my uh, great great grandfather, and then his son named his son Ventura, who was my grandfather. And uh, and so then what I did is I Ventura means adventure. So I took. Uh, so here's my my grandfather's name, and I used it in my son, Vincent Ventura Garza. You know, you know, to conquer an adventure. You know, so I thought that would be a cool. And I tell people, I just like the, I like the flow, Vincent Ventura. It sounds it has a cool flow, and I tell him, uh, you know, 
BVGs are pretty cool nicknames too. So. <laughs> well, and your son was Chiquitito at that time because he's huge now, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's How old was he when you depicted him in that book? And- oh, he was in seventh grade, sixth grade. He was in sixth grade. He don't look nothing like in the picture anymore. He's, <laughs> he's an athlete now. It doesn't get it from me. You know, it's like I tell people, you blink and they grow up on you. And, uh, you know, to, uh, growing up, you know, kids are in a rush. And to them, growing up seems to take forever. But I tell people, when you're a parent, you, that's when you realize just how short childhood really is. You know, because, you know, before you know it, they're growing up, they're growing up and they're you know, getting ready to be off on their own. Well, what I love is that our listeners and the folks that have been involved with Nuestra Palabra get to know that sort of cariño, get to know the backstory, and get to grow with your work and with the artists. At the top of the show, you read from The Donkey Lady Fights La, Re- <laughs> the donkey lady fights La, Llorona. La Llorona and other stories. <laughs> and then you have another collection, Maximilian and the Lucha Libre Club. Just to name some of them. Yeah, I grew up uh, that. Well, the Maximilian, it's actually the fourth book just came out called Maximilian and the Curse of the Fallen Angel, which is uh, the fourth in the series of the Maximilian books. And that one literally just came out and uh, it, it continues Max's adventures. Uh, uh, as, you know, as growing up as part of Lucha Libre royalty with his great uncle, who in the story prior to that, everybody had believed had died in a bar fight in Monterrey 30 years ago. But all this time, he'd been living a secret life as the most famous mass wrestler in the world. And then uh, Max, who at the time, it, at the time that it began, was eleven. Now he's uh, fourteen, and you know, and it's he's. Uh, I wanted the character to grow older with the series, so you know, kind of experienced uh, all the the things that happen to people to kids as they're growing, going from childhood to adulthood. And of course, with him, he's got the extra thing that he's lucha libre royalty, but he can't tell nobody because it's a secret that his uncle, his uncle's secret identity. Uh, but I'm working on a couple of other books. I know one is called La Llorona Can't Scare Me, and it's a it's a picture book. That one I'm really happy with. It's a it's a, I've been working I've been working on this thing for like three years till I finally got it to where I liked the story where it was, and it's about a little boy named Damian who is uh, fearless. He has no fear. And in, in the in the story, it begins, it says, a monster named La Llorona is hollering up a storm outside my bedroom window as I'm trying to go to bed. Where are my children? La Llorona screams at the top of her lungs. And Damien Damian says, you can't scare me, you silly Llorona. It's true. No matter how loud she screams and goes, boo, she can't scare brave little Damian. And then, the chusas, witch owls, start flying around the room, and they don't scare him. And then little duendes, real green duendes, trolls are whispering under his bed, trying to scare him, but they can't. The donkey lady shows up. Little diablos dressed like luchadores show up. The chupacabra shows up. A bruja, a ghost, a cucuy. Uh, the Calavera, they all show up and they're all trying to scare brave little Damien, but they can't scare him because he has a secret weapon that will make them all run away and hide. And so that's uh, <coughs> that's the picture book where La Llorona can't scare me. You know what's very clear, though, from the moment mm-hmm. I first met you to this moment is that no one works harder than you do. 
and you love doing this, don't you? Oh, I love, I love doing that. I love, uh, what I tell people is, you know, you know, people would ask me, are you a writer? Are you an artist? What are you? And then the one that really kind of put it in perspective for me is a guy uh, from, uh, he's, a, he's a writer. He's also a, a publisher. He had, he had bilingual review press, Gary D. Keller from Tempe ASU. He uh, he he kind of he when I were he, he did that question to me. So well, I'm, I'm both. I'm I mean I'm a writer, but I'm also you know my my love of art. I'm also an artist. And and he said, you know what you are. He goes, he goes everything you do, from your art to your stories, it it all it's all aimed at one thing. He goes, you're a storyteller. That's what you are. And everything you do is aimed at telling a story. You're telling a story. You're telling a cuento. And I really, you know, he goes, that's, that's true. I, I'm a storyteller. And everything I do is aimed at that, telling a cuento, telling a story. And, uh, and hopefully, like I tell people, the hope is that maybe you're, the, the cuento you tell well, get some kid. You know, the, you know, the, I tell people the best part of writing a book is you write your story. The book is in the shelf somewhere. The author, he, she could be gone, you know, moved on. But that book is there, and some kid's going to pick it up. They're going to read the story. You know what? They might say, you know what? I can write a story, too. I can tell a cuento. I can, I can be an author. I can, I can make pictures, too. And, and in that sense, you know, hopefully what you do, inspire somebody else to do their own stories because that's the ultimate goal. It's like you want to, uh, for other people to develop a voice and have, you know, grow that voice and, and just tell, tell their story. And hopefully that their story will inspire somebody else to tell their story. And, and then that's it continues. It's, it's an ongoing circle, wow. a positive circle, like they say. So there's vicious circles, but this is a positive one. Very inspiring. So you've given us the update. We're looking forward to the next three books. We know that's a lot of work. However, two things. One, you're going to close us out with a special preview of a poem that also is. Yeah. And also, we got to make a commitment on the air. When that 20th book comes out, we got to have you back on and we're going to have a big celebration. Deal? That, that, sounds, that sounds like a good deal. I tell I told my wife that when 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 I hit twenty, we're gonna have a pachanga. <laughs> this is from an anthology that is being put together by a librarian from the Valley Marching. My contribution is called "Tell Me a Story." Dime un cuento, and it goes like this: "Tell me a story." Dime un cuento. It can be a long story, or it can be a short one too. It can be a brand new cuento, or a favorite old one. You can tell me the story of how as a kid you used to play with canicas. Tell me the cuentos of those magical marbles made of glass that sparkled with every color of the rainbow when you held them up to the sun. Or you can tell me a scary story. You can tell me the cuento of how a chupacabras is lurking outside my window waiting to make me its next victim. You can tell me a happy story too. Like the cuento of how as a kid you like seeing grandma dance merengue songs with grandpa that they look so funny together. But just don't tell me a sad story. Because sad cuentos, they always make me cry. You can tell me a Christmas story. 
You can tell me the cuento of Santa's Mexican cousin who delivered presents to all the good little boys and girls that live along both sides of the U.S.-Mexico border. You can tell me a story of the heroes of La Lucha Libre, papa. Tell me cuentos of these mass heroes and villains who wear masks and shiny capes. You can tell me a story about Mexico, papa. You can fill my head with cuentos of its grand fiestas, colorful, colorful piñatas, beautiful music, and sweet-tasting paletas. Better yet, why not, make the sto- why not make the story be a bilingual cuento and tell it to me in both English and Spanish? Why not give me the best of both worlds? But just tell me a story, papá. Dime un cuento. Tell it to me if I close my eyes and go to sleep. Tell me a story. And that is some of the work by our dear friend Javier Garza, who has blessed us with an update. We wish you continued success, and we can't wait to celebrate your 20th book. Oh, thank you very much. And like I said, I've, uh, like I've always told, I always tell people when I, whenever I get a chance, many years back, a friend of mine, now we were at, we were at the Latino Book Festival. We were at the Inter American Book Festival in San Antonio. A friend of mine told me, "You got to meet this guy Tony Diaz." <laughs> and, uh, and then we met, and you've been with, you've been a great supporter, you know. You know, and, and I tell people I would not have gotten published had it not been for Tony Diaz inviting me to the uh, Latino Family Book Festival. And for that, I say thank you. Gracias, hermano. Wish you continued success, and we can't wait to keep changing the world through literature. All right. Thank you. Muchas gracias.